Good morning. It is 8.08. And according to the South China Morning Post report, as of 7am this morning, early results from Hong Kong District Council elections show that pro-democracy candidates claimed 201 of the first 242 seats. All the more in yesterday's District Council elections there, a record 1,104 people ran for 452 district seats and a record 4.1 million Hong Kongers from a population of 7.4 million enrolled to vote. You don't have to be a math whiz to know that's well over 50%. Well, in a bid to get out their vote, the pro-democracy groups have even made how-to-cast-a-vote airdrops. Let's welcome on the line Hong Kong-based writer and lawyer, Anthony Dapiran, author of City of Protest, A Recent History of Dissent in Hong Kong. Thank you very much for joining us. Good morning to you. I mean, that that book is going to need monthly revisions, isn't it? <laughs> yes, indeed. I, I'm working on a sequel now, and it, it, it keeps unfolding and unfolding, and it's never know where it's going to end. But it's been a remarkable, uh, remarkable year in Hong Kong, and this really has just topped it all off. Indeed. Uh, can you describe for us the current situation uh, even when you've got a, a title like chief executive for hong kong's leader it seems to me to be something that's not even pretending to be democratic but yet we're talking about elections yes so the elections yesterday were for the district council the equivalent of hong kong's local councils now local council elections are not the not the kind of thing that normally attracts much excitement anywhere in the world um, let alone to have one city's local council elections making international news but i think the reason why these elections were seen as so important is they were really seen as a referendum on the whole events of the last six months here in hong kong the first real chance for the people to show how they felt about the government or about the protest movement so it was really a a, a referendum on that protest movement and, and the results show that the people are still very firmly uh, behind the, the spirit, at least, of the protest movement and very much aligned against the government. But politically, what options are there for the people who believe in at least maintaining a certain level of autonomy from mainland China? So this is a, something of a curtain raiser for next year when we have the Legislative Council elections. The Legislative Council is the body in Hong Kong that, that makes the laws, similar to a parliament in, in many other countries. And that body does have some genuine power. And if this result uh, yesterday uh, is anything of, a, of an indication of what the results will be in that election this time next year, it shows that the pandems may be in a position to, for the first time ever, win a majority on that body, which has real influence. The other important thing is that the chief executive, as you, while you quite rightly point out, isn't democratically elected. He or she, as the current chief executive is, is elected by a 1,200-person uh, election committee. Now, that comes from various groups throughout society, mostly pro-Beijing business groups, but a big block of the electors on that 1,200 body include representatives of the, Demo of the district council and the legislative council members. So by winning big majorities on the, in the elections yesterday and in the elections next year, that will give the pro-Democrat voices uh, more of a say in, in that um, very small circle election for the chief executive. So they do uh, have opportunities to have some influence, even if it doesn't have the full uh, universal suffrage, fully democratic model that you enjoy there in Korea. Well, the Korea example I keep coming back to in my mind because it was a, it was a case that I think showed many 
sceptical onlookers how change can come about through peaceful protest if you have enough numbers. Because uh, a couple of years, or even just a year before, the uh, the protest began that eventually ousted President Pakenhe or, or contributed to her ousting, we'd seen police fired water cannons and violence, and even a protester lost his life. So it was all far more reminiscent of what's going on in Hong Kong than what ultimately happened from 2016 to 2017. I'm just curious what you think is most likely to happen in Hong Kong if you had enough numbers and if it was peaceful, would Beijing still crush it somehow? Well, that, you, you really nailed the, the key difference between Hong Kong and Korea. In Korea, the, the people are ultimately their own sovereign. And if you have enough numbers, as you had in Korea, you know, there's no voice higher than the people. Um, unfortunately, in Hong Kong, no matter how loudly the Hong Kong people speak, Beijing always has the final say. And I don't see any scenario in which Beijing would willingly give up its control of the key institutions and organs of government in Hong Kong. So this struggle, really, and Hong Kong people know that, so this struggle in Hong Kong has really been about securing more autonomy. Uh, everyone knows that, 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 that China ultimately calls the shots, but the Hong Kongers would like to at least have as much of a, as possible of a say uh, in their own fate here in Hong Kong in terms of running the city. And that's something they were promised under the, the one country, two systems formula under which Hong Kong was returned from Britain to China in 1997. So while power doesn't reside with the people ultimately in the way that it, it does in a sovereign nation like Korea, people are hoping to at least speak loudly enough to let Beijing uh, listen and give them the autonomy that they, that they desire. The, uh, the, the situation as it, as it stands at the moment seems to be an unhealthy relationship, though, between many ordinary Hong Kongers and, and mainland China. But how can we really gauge local sentiment because uh, the narrative depends on really who you're speaking to i i've had the chance to visit hong kong a few times in in recent years if you talk to a taxi driver they might give you a very pro-china view you talk to ordinary people who are not taxi drivers it, it just depends they, they might say well you know we sort of tolerate mainlanders speaking in slightly disparaging tones almost the way koreans might about chinese coming in and, and shopping for example um mm. but but then you get a more extreme version as well like well we're fed up of mainland china but you know how do you make any kind of accurate assessment of what popular sentiment is well i i i, I think that's what this election was um you know people there'd be as you say quite rightly many different competing narratives here in hong kong and the the pro beijing side the government side have been talking throughout these last five coming on six months of protests about a silent majority and how the silent majority were not behind these protests. But when you have a, an election result coming out like you did yesterday, it, it appears that the silent majority were in fact on the side of, of the Democrats, not on the side of the government. Um, we're, we're looking like at least uh, 75% of the seats in this election going to the pandemics, which by, it, by, is a huge landslide victory by, by, by any measure. I think you, you can't look at that and... and, and draw any other conclusion about what the popular will of the people is, other than that they are firmly uh, behind 
the, the protest movement that is demanding more government accountability and more democracy in Hong Kong. The, the, the tricky question of the relationship with the mainland is, is, is indeed something that needs to be tackled. And you, I think your comparison to perhaps what the attitude is of many in Korea to people visiting from China is very similar to Hong Kong. Um, uh, and, and Hong Kong, I think, see uh, you know, do see Korea as an inspiration in, in many ways in terms of it being a, an advanced, developed democracy here in, in East Asia. Uh, and, and so the, 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 it is a complicated relationship for Hong Kong and the mainland. Um, and that's something that needs to be worked out with a, with a wise government who are able to uh, effect a, a sort of a reconciliation process in the community. Now, unfortunately, the government has not been in listening mode up until now, but perhaps uh, the events of this election will, will cause them to, to be a bit more open on that side. Well, China's approach seems to be almost like a siege mentality. It, it's squeezing the protests. Uh, it, it'll wear mm. down the patience of people who might be sympathetic towards uh, pro-democracy pro, uh, movements, but on the other hand, just mm. want to get on with life and not live in a recession, mm. not live around violence and smell of, of tear gas. Uh, and, and then we're seeing the quite literal siege of Polytechnic University in Hong Kong after a week-long standoff. Yeah. What's the situation there as we know it? Again, I'm relying on social media videos to, and photos to see people huddled inside that facility. Yes, now that siege is, is still ongoing. As I understand that there are maybe around 30 people still holed up inside that siege. Um, increasingly desperate situation inside there and in fact uh, one of the leading pro-democracy parties the civic party have said that they are going to lead a delegation of all of their victorious candidates to 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 the university today to visit uh that that situation is ongoing i think it's it's sure to end uh, sooner or later uh you know hopefully peacefully as those last final uh increasingly hungry and unwell uh protesters are forced to come out of the university. But stepping back to the bigger picture, you, you, you're right that Beijing is, is, is likely to continue to exert its control here. I, I don't think there's going to be a sudden change of heart following this election result, and, and the, the result may be at least over the medium term to long term, uh, as you allude to, the exact opposite, a gradual clamping down on various institutions in Hong Kong, um, perhaps seeking to increase their influence on the education system to get the youth of Hong Kong in the right mindset from their point of view, uh, and various other institutional means that Beijing has at its disposal to exert its influence and try to recreate Hong Kong in the way that it wants Hong Kong to be. But that's going to be a, a medium to long-term project looking towards uh, 2047, when the 50-year the guarantees of rights and freedoms after the handover will be expiring. And that's the frightening thing, really, from China's point of view. It has the ability to, to make these very long-term plans mm, based on its mm. current political structure. I'd just like to finish by asking if there's any antidote from abroad, if people are seeking an antidote, that is. U.S. President Donald Trump said that uh, he'd stepped in, effectively, to prevent Chinese President Xi Jinping sending in troops. Uh, doesn't seem very likely, based on the fact that China doesn't need to send in troops. What's your take on Washington's stance? Uh, you, you, you're spot on there. I think that was a typical piece of, of Trump uh, exaggeration. But look, um, the, the protesters have certainly drawn a lot of encouragement from, from Washington. Uh, they've had this Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act, which has now passed uh, both chambers of the Congress and is awaiting uh, the presidential signature. Um, Trump's hinted he might veto that in, you know, as part of the trade war negotiations. So we'll see how that goes, although that, that did pass with a, with a veto-proof majority 
in the Senate. Um, and, and look, the, the act itself may uh, may not do much in terms of changing China's mind, uh, but it's certainly, the, the protesters certainly draw a lot of encouragement from it. They do like, they deliberately court uh, international media attention. They like to see that the world is watching. They think that if China knows the world is watching, that will help uh, temper Beijing's behavior here in Hong Kong. And they, uh, they, 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 they really do see the, the, the moral support, the, the attention of the world, the fact that many people in the world have had some connection to Hong Kong in some way and, and feel that the, the city in a little way uh, is, is a part of them. Right. And that's something that all the protesters here like. So it certainly is helpful. Anthony Deperin, author of City of Protest, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.